We'll read again from the book of Numbers, chapter 33, verses 1 and 2. These are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their goings out. And so in Exodus 33, we have a a record of the journeys of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt to the plains of Moab, from where they would eventually move into the land of Canaan under Joshua. The record includes the starting point, Ramesses, and then the ending encampment near Jordan, with 40 stops in between. And you heard Brother Eric pronounce 13 of them, and those were some of the easy ones. Most are names that are unfamiliar to us, and perhaps they were even unfamiliar to those who had the record when Moses provided it at the end of the 40-year period. Having, having just returned from a journey, my mind goes to a journey. And whether we journey abroad, or never leave our house. We are all on a journey. And in one sense, it began when we were born. We celebrate our birth, at least some do, the people around us do. But we want more than a a journey through life. We want a Christian journey. It has a starting point. And it has a destination. The children of Israel had a starting point, and their destination destination was the land of promise, the land of Canaan. Ours is a bit higher than that, quite a bit higher. It's heaven. That's our our goal. We're uh, journeying in, in that direction. Our journey may be shorter. For some, it may be longer. But either way, uh, we journey on by the the grace of God. This uh, account, and in Numbers, the book of Numbers is given its name due to the numbering of the children of Israel at the beginning of of the book, and again at the ending of the book. At the beginning of their uh, 40-year exile, if you will, in the wilderness, and then again at the ending of that 40-year period, and uh, the Numbers... We're really quite close to being the same at the beginning or at the ending as they were at the beginning since they had defied God, some of them, and followed the evil report of ten of the spies. And as a result, it was given to them to bleach their bones in the wilderness, those that were 20 years old and upward with just the two exceptions. And they were told, your children, who they said, by the way, would 
become uh, victims of predators in the wilderness, those children would, would wander in the wilderness for 40 years, but be, would be the ones who would enter into the land of Canaan. But for the most part, uh, the Bible gives us the events of the first two years, roughly, of that 40-year period, and then the last one year of, of that 48-year period, or 40-year period, so there are approximately 38, I know that the math I just gave you doesn't add up, but about 38 years of obscurity. And in that 38-year period, we have these 42 stations, if you will, the beginning one and the ending one and the 40 stations in between. The first 13, as I recall, take us to Mount Sinai, and then there are uh, 27 more uh, after that. Some names we do recognize. And I'm, I'm supposing that some names were recognizable to the children of those who had defied God and uh, survived at the end of the 40-year period. Uh, perhaps they were memorable to one here or one there, different locations, different people, because of the experiences they had personally encountered, even with the Lord. I, I'm reminded of taking Debbie and our children when they were quite young from Dallas, Oregon, where we lived, down to Corvallis, Oregon, where I actually began, in a sense, my Christian journey on the campus of, uh, off campus actually, of Oregon State. And I, I wanted to show them the apartment where I lived and the window of that apartment, which I can still visualize, where I had uh, stashed or, or deck or used for decor these uh, liquor bottles. Disgusting uh, contents, by the way. It's surprising uh, how Satan uh, dupes uh, sinners into... Um, Practices that are unhealthy and really unappetizing and leave a sour taste in every aspect of life. But anyway, I thought it would be cool to decorate the one window that I shared with a buddy down there during that year at OSU. And so I wanted to show them because they'd heard the story of those liquor bottles and that window. That's the window where in the beginning of my journey, and I'd gotten saved, and at this point I didn't even know what salvation was, but I knew I didn't want those bottles anymore, so I gave them to my roommate. And then the next morning I thought better, and I didn't uh, tell him, but now they were his liquor bottles, and I took them to an old dumpster that was still there, and I could tell them, that's the dumpster, where I took his liquor bottles and threw them in that dumpster. And I'm wondering if if in these, uh, this record of these journeys, if uh, some of those who were older, who are now uh, 40 years older than they were at, in their late teens when uh, they began their wandering, but now they could uh, teach their children or, or remind their children of different locations along the way, even if they never revisited those locations. Perhaps they had uh, picked up a camp as the Lord led from one uh, spot to the other, and there was no longer any evidence that there had ever been a camp there 20 years ago. But uh, the parents, or even grandparents uh, now, uh, could uh, tell their children and, and grandchildren, uh, that, that's, that's where uh, I met God. 
The, the people around me were somewhat defiant, uh, but I had my own encounter with the Lord. I showed them the apartment where I lived the next year. It was a three-story house separated into apartment living where several uh, different students lived. And I had a one-room apartment with a, a, a bath area uh, separate, but basically a studio-type apartment. And uh, there was one window well where light came in, but that's where I spent uh, the next year. And that's where I prayed when I, uh, by that time I had come to understand being saved and, and was saved and subsequently sanctified. But that's where uh, I sought the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, during that, that term and uh, received it, received that experience uh, shortly after the end of that term. But I, I wanted them to see that apartment. I think our children were probably uh, too young to really have a memory of that uh, trip down there. But maybe I'll take them back with their children one day and, and show them if those um, places are still still there. Well, we have a, a stop at Ramesses. In verse 3, they departed from Ramesses the first month on the 15th day of the first month. They had on the 10th day of that month uh, set apart a lamb without blemish teaching the children of Israel and subsequently giving us a lesson that anything we offer to God uh, should be our best. They couldn't go out into the flock. Well, they could have, but it would have been rejected um, if they would have had a lame lamb or a blemished lamb or uh, some that was off to the side and scrawny and was going to die anyway and think, well, I'll, I'll take that one and offer it to God. That wouldn't have gone well. And honestly, it doesn't go well if we give God our second best when He wants our best. Did He not give His best for us? We don't give to God what we won't use anyway or what we don't need anyway. We give to God what will cost us something. That's the lesson the children of Israel learned on that first Passover and the tenth day of that same month. They... Uh, offered that, the shed blood and it provided protection in the, the household of those who applied the blood and they were brought out by a mighty deliverance that, that same night but not without the first the shedding of blood. That's key to our deliverance. We, we cannot be delivered uh, from the life of sin except through the blood of Jesus. He's the perfect sacrifice. The animal uh, that uh, was offered, uh, that blood was shed, and the animal uh, properly uh, disposed of, was, um, uh, burnt, and uh, the blood of that animal uh, carried without the, the gate that we might be sanctified outside of Jerusalem. Well, Jesus uh, suffered and bled and died on Calvary outside of uh, Jerusalem that he would provide not only for our justification but also for our sanctification and his blood for our healing. That's Ramesses. So they would have hearkened back even if they never revisited that place. They could remember after that mighty deliverance that night where they first uh, pitched their tent and uh, 
pondered uh, what was in store for them in the future, and they really didn't know uh, what was ahead, except that Moses had said, let's go out uh, into the wilderness and offer an offering unto the Lord. The Egyptians, we read, buried their firstborn. So the children of Israel, their firstborn was spared, but not so with the children of Israel. But that was the beginning of their journey. At this point, they, they knew they were promised Canaan. So they had their eyes on moving into Canaan and could have done so relatively quickly, except God was charting the course. God charts our course if we allow him to do it. Uh, some would have preferred in, in this day to take the shortcut and get there more quickly. But uh, the Lord knew better if they would have known what was ahead, they would have uh, surely turned back and, and gone the other way. It's by design that we do not know what tomorrow holds. It's by design that we learn to trust God and uh, rely upon his sovereignty, believing the truth that he does all things well. So the, the children of Israel uh, camped there, and from there they, we read in verse 5 another familiar place, somewhat, Succoth, which means booths, and that's where they next camped after that 15th day of the first month when they had left the land of Egypt through the uh, through that uh, shedding of the blood, but now Succoth means where they means booths, so they erected booths, and that's what they would do for the next forty years, a temporary structure, because they would not settle in too permanently in any one spot. Well, we also are called to be pilgrims and strangers in this land. This this, this is not our home. We have a a better place, a mansion, and that—that's where our—that's our destination. We must keep that during our journey in view. Debbie testified uh, when I was gone. I know that because I watched the services well away, even if later due to the, the time zone changes. But she mentioned that uh, she and I spoke uh, daily, and we did the start of every day. And at the end of every day, I got up early, which was late for her, but it worked out. And then uh, at the end of my day, then it was easy because it was morning here. But my, my focus during the journey was always home. I took a good report of home to where I went. And by the way, I bring back a good report from where I went to home. But it's true that home is where your heart is and certainly where, where my heart is. I communicated with frequency to home. If heaven is our home, we communicate frequently with heaven. We, we look heaven's way. And our, our, never, our, our thoughts are never too far from there. We're just passing through. And even as, as we stand here today, some may have 
very short time remaining in the journey. Others suppose that they have a much longer time. Younger ones suppose that. Well, perhaps so, but perhaps the, the trumpet of the Lord will sound before this day is out and our journey will be over and we'll be in heaven. That's our goal. From there to Etham. Verse 6. And it's, it's notable because Etham is the edge of the wilderness. So they're at the edge of what appeared to be a daunting place to go. They had never been there before. They didn't know what was out there. They didn't know where uh, they would have their next meal. They didn't know about predators. They didn't know about uh, giants. Uh, so uh, they, they stood at the edge of the wilderness. They had no... Well, they, they needed to learn to trust God. They had no itinerary. You probably wouldn't go on an, a journey in this world without knowing where you're going. And you would even want to plan your stops along the way. I had an itinerary that was sent to me before I departed Portland. So I knew roughly my goings out and my comings in, if you will. Um, sometimes roughly because they changed along the way. But... Uh, that's what we would do in this life. I guess we'd be foolish not to have any plans along the way to know how we would take care of ourselves or be taken care of. But the journey we're on is of a different nature. We can't predict what tomorrow holds. But like the song says, we can predict who holds tomorrow. And the Lord does that. So at the edge of the wilderness, they had time to contemplate. This is before they went through the Red Sea. Because verse 8, uh, we see just a glancing uh, notice of the fact that they went through the midst of the sea. The, we're not told here that the enemy was in pursuit. And the sea was on one side, the enemy behind them, and they couldn't go e either way. But uh, they had been delivered out of the land of Egypt through the sacrificial atonement that was provided, and now God would show his strong and mighty arm and lead them through the sea as if on dry ground, because it was dry ground. And the Egyptian army is saying to do the same, they drown. And then by verse 8, they get through the Red Sea, and we read they go into the wilderness. From the edge of the wilderness, through the sea on dry ground, into the wilderness. Well, life can be a wilderness. It can be uh, destitute. It can be lonely. It can uh, leave you wondering where, what the next day holds. Well, welcome to life. Welcome to the journey. At least we know the destination. Abram, when he was called from Ur the Chaldees, he went out not knowing whether he was to go. But he went. And God led him, God will lead us. From there, well, they had, they had, we read in Exodus 15, I believe, uh, the songs of Moses and Miriam after that deliverance in Israel. Oh, they were so happy. They were rejoicing how they had come through that Red Sea on dry ground. And it was just a wonderful day. But they go three days from there and were thirsty. And they finally came to Merah, 
where they saw a pool of water, but their, their hopes were dashed, and they complained against Moses, who had no power over it. God was the one leading, not Moses. doesn't pay to complain, really, especially against others. Either complain and blame yourself, or blame God. He's the one who, who brings us to where we are, unless we've defied Him. But with adversity came an unlikely solution. And that was accompanied by a promise. Uh, the unlikely solution was when Moses prayed, God showed him a tree, which Moses uh, took and cast into the waters, and those bitter waters became sweet. And they drank of those waters. Well, life can be bitter, and I'm not sure if it's a stretch to uh, look to the cross of Calvary, um, but we do know that the cross of Calvary provides sweetness through the pain and bitterness that Jesus suffered there. But I said it was accompanied by a prom- with a promise. And there he made a statute and an ordinance with the children of Israel. Uh, he said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, do that which is right, obey the, the, the commandments that God gives you, and I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which the Egyptians uh, have suffered back there in Egypt. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Well, we know that Blessings accompanied the children of Israel even during those periods of, of defiance because we read in the Psalms, their feet did not swell, nor garments wax old. Just as God sustained them on their journey, God will sustain you on your journey. Well, verse 9 brings us to Elam. We read about that in Exodus as well. I like Elam because Elam was an oasis, 12 fountains of water, and 70 palm trees, and they pitched there. And they thought, we'll just stay here. I like this. But that was not the destination. So they camped there, but the time came where they moved on. Well, we'll have uh, blessings uh, through life as well. And we would like to stay in the, the station of a blessing. But God calls us to move on. There's ups and there's downs in, in life. And we learn much more from those uh, trying periods than we do through those uh, periods that we uh, consider to be a blessing. So God leads us that way. It came to Rephidim. That's another dry place in the wilderness. And there again they did chide with Moses and once more uh, blamed him. But God told him, smite the rock. So he did. And the psalmist tells us that he smote the rock. And the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. I like that. And again in another psalm, he opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. Wow. God isn't stingy. There's times where God pours out his blessings to a good measure, shaken together, pressed over and running over. But there are lean times too. I appreciate the lean times. Because it helps you look forward to the times of blessing. Uh, we, we need them both, apparently. I say apparently. I'm not particularly fond of the lean times either. Uh, but I like the times of blessing. But finally now, they come to Mount Sinai. And again, hardly anything stated here on that station. But we know the mountain quaked. And there was thunder and lightning. And they heard the voice of God. God would have written His law upon their hearts, but they rejected Him. They were written on 
tables of stone, which were soon broken, as were the commandments that were written thereon. But from there, they still learned. It came to pass from there that the ark would set forward and lead them to their next stop. And when that happened, Moses would say, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. That would be a good way to start your Monday if Jesus tarries until Monday. You go to the Lord to start your day as the Lord is leading you on the, your journey, and you just look to the Lord and say, Rise up, Lord, let mine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee, God, and me, flee before thee. They learned to look to heaven to start the day. And then at the end of the day, when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So when you uh, conclude your day, look heaven's way and remind Lord, the Lord, Lord, you began this day by scattering the enemies that would plague me. And now, O Lord, we end this day with you still by my side. He went to Kadesh, where the spies, nearly four decades earlier, had gone out and ten bringing back an evil report uh, to Joshua and Caleb, a good report. But now here we are, as I say, four decades later, and the next generation has an opportunity from the same spot to determine whether or not they will go into this land of promise. It's a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. Every generation has the opportunity, even as a, a body of believers, to embrace or to reject uh, what God has set before us. We thank God for those who have gone before us who have embraced uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, particularly this good way. And we've learned uh, from them and are still learning. But uh, as we look back, we, we see not everyone embraced the way. So now this generation, this younger generation, has the same opportunity we had some decades ago. Well, we journey on. Don't forget how it began. That's the journal. God told Moses to keep it, even though by now we have no consideration of what happened there or how long they were there. Sometimes they stayed stayed a very short time, sometimes a year, uh, but they journeyed on. But we know where it began. It began with the blood of, of Jesus for us. We began at Calvary. That's where we began our Christian journey. Keep that in view and keep in view the destination. If you keep the the destination in view, it'll help you to continue to journey on. Just keep going. When times uh, become challenging, why you don't throw up your arms in despair, you keep going. When you don't know what to do, you just keep going. Journey on. Uh, There's a, a path of victory on the journey. But at the end of the journey, there's a destination that is certainly worth uh, striving to achieve. And that's, by the grace of God, what we intend to do. If you've not begun the journey yet, start today. And if you have begun it, continue on. Keep doing what you've always done. Drop to your knees in prayer. Take advantage of this opportunity. And God will bless you.